This season on More and More Every Day, let's do something together every day to be better oral historians. I don't know about you, but I love a daily task, whether it's a writing prompt to get me focused or a quick icebreaker to start class discussion. I love short, easy challenges. That's why this season's 10 minute or so episodes will feature experts, like-minded colleagues, resources, and things I'm learning along the way. But each episode will also end with a prompt, something you and I can do that day to improve our skills as oral historians. I'm your host, Summer Sherland. Let's do this. Today's challenge is a two-parter. Once again, it's a challenge that is best done in real time, though some of you may be able to play along while driving or walking the dog, picking up groceries. But the second part of the challenge, however, is for you to do on your own time. So you've done some diagramming and mind mapping to visualize yourself in historical context in a previous challenge. That challenge is particularly useful for those of you working to write questions or research your narrator as a historical actor. Today's challenge will be particularly useful, on the other hand, for oral historians looking to write hooks. You know, those little stories at the start of your chapter or for keynote addresses. It's also the approach we take when writing biographical sketches for our website over at southphoenixoralhistory.com. So are you ready? Great. Grab a pencil and a blank piece of paper. Maybe if you're writing in a, in a journal for these challenges, just flip to a blank piece and fold that paper in half long ways. You know, hot dog, not hamburger. <laughs> On the top left column, write the words biographical details. And on the top of the right column, write historical context. Now I'm going to read you a story and your job is to follow along, looking for biographical details and examples of historical context or relevance. When I do this in our context lab or in history classes, I encourage students to listen for at least five of each, but there is more than that. So remember, on the left, biographical details. On the right, historical details. So I'm going to read you a story, and as I do, write down quickly, of course, every example that falls into one of those two columns as we go. Here we go. This is the story of Frederick Douglass, who is one of the best-known African Americans in history. It's determined that Douglass was born sometime in February 1817, He later celebrated on the 14th of February, but he never really knew his birth date. In those days, people born into slavery, their birth dates weren't always exactly recorded. Uh, Usually it was just about the year and sometimes the month that was documented. He was born in 1817 on the eastern shore of Maryland. In 1817, slavery was still legal and it very much personified the American South. And it might surprise you to find out that Maryland, which is home to our nation's capital, was considered part of the South. Therefore, slavery was legitimate and legal. Douglas was born to a woman named Harriet Bailey, who was a slave. He does not know who his father was. His father, however, he knows for sure, was white. At that time, slave women were commonly sexually exploited by white men. And something to acknowledge is that the slave trade was abolished in Maryland in 1794, which is about 20 years prior to Douglas's birth. And yet, slavery itself was not abolished. So, slave women like Harriet Bailey were particularly vulnerable to the advances and aggressions of white men. In childhood, Douglas did not have the easiest go of it. 
He was separated from his mother very early and experienced cruel conditions on the plantation where he lived and worked. Later, he wrote, however, they were no crueler than any other slave experienced. He was sent to Baltimore as a young man. Baltimore, of course, is still part of Maryland. He was under the employ of a woman named Mrs. Alt, a northern woman who was unaccustomed to the conditions of slavery in the South, and she began to teach Douglas to read and write. During the early 19th century, it was outlawed across the country for slaves and African Americans to know how to read and or write. It was illegal. So once Mrs. Alt's husband put a stop to it, Douglas had to continue educating himself. And he once said, you can never enslave an educated man. In 1838, Douglas ran away from Baltimore, Maryland. It had only been about 34 years prior when the North had outlawed slavery in 1804. So Douglas had his eye on the North. At that time, free blacks could carry papers, which proved their freedom, kind of like identification documents. So he borrowed some from a friend and impersonated a freed black man in order to get away from Baltimore. Once he arrived in New York, he adopted the new last name Douglas after marrying an escaped black woman who was also from the South. When Douglas arrived in New York, he arrived to find that a fervor of religious and political movements to reform America had taken place and began to personify the North. As early as the 1830s, this had been the case. There were people like religious leaders who morally and spiritually objected to slavery and sought to outlaw it. These folks generally believed that Christians should not enslave other Christians as it was outlined in the Bible. Other reformers included economic or political leaders who feared that the South would become too dominant. But remember, the South really was dominant, and yet the other sections or regions as we know them were really kind of wrapped up in this dominance as well. For instance, this is an era of westward migration, which was propelled by the expansion of the cotton industry. Meanwhile, the northern industries that we think of, those big manufacturing giants which are producing things like clothing, Right, this industry is booming in the North as well. But guess what? Both the West and the North are reliant on the production of cotton in order to expand and produce. So here we are in New York City, and Douglas joins the abolitionist movement. He begins publishing constantly in the face of all of these laws outlawing Black men being allowed to write or read. He begins speaking out against slavery and very soon becomes a well-known target of the anti-slavery movement. This is the period called antebellum in American history, and it really is uh, a term that relates to the increasing divisions and hostilities among Northerners and Southerners in the middle of the 19th century. So people like Douglas faced things like threat of capture. As a result of a series of compromises made by Congress in the 1840s and 50s, people like Frederick Douglass, who himself was a runaway slave, but others who like Dred Scott, who were freed men, faced the threat of being captured and sold to the South or sent to the South to live in slavery, even if they were legally allowed to be free in the North. The antebellum really comes to represent and signify to America that the country is destined for civil war. 
And as a result, this runaway slave who was born to a woman in Baltimore and later separated from her, who was taught clandestinely by a northern white woman to read and write, Frederick Douglass becomes the leading black writer to witness, explore, and explain the Civil War and Reconstruction in America. So how did you do? What examples did you find? The second part of today's challenge is for you to try this yourself. On your own, write a brief biographical story about someone you've interviewed or researched. If you can't think of anyone, try writing about yourself or a family member. Let us know how you did. Did this activity teach you more about understanding historical context? Is it helpful for making those hours of taped interviews meaningful? Reach out at SMCC History, hashtag more and more every day. We want to hear from you. Tell us how you did today at SMCC History. Use the hashtag more and more every day on Instagram and Twitter. Our email is historysouthmountain at gmail.com. And I hope you follow us, write a review, or suggest us to a colleague. More and More Every Day is brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project at South Mountain Community College in partnership with the Southwest Oral History Association. Music by Noah Gattel. <laughs>